0: Last couple of weeks, we started a new series entitled The Dream Lives On. The Dream Lives On. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God has dreams for you. God has big dreams for your life. But the thing about those dreams is that they will only remain dreams. Or worse yet, they'll even become nightmares if you do not align the dream in your heart with the dream that God has in his heart for your life first. And so, over the last few weeks, we've been digging into the life of a a, a dreamer, a guy named Joseph. And this guy Joseph, as we learned, had a big dream. He had big dreams for his life. It It was big because it was given to him by God. So you see, he got a revelation from God that he was created to be a ruler, that he was created to be a man of great influence, that he was one that God would use with this influence and with this desire to do great things, to rule and to reign, that God would use him to be the one who would initiate the onset of a great nation to be birthed out of the place of Egypt, the people of Israel. And so when Joseph got a, a glimpse of this dream, He thought that it was about him. You see, in the dreams that God gave him, Joseph saw himself and his brothers in a field collecting sheaves and binding them up. And so he goes to his brothers and he says, hey, I had a great dream. And they're like, ooh, what was it? And he says, in my dream, we were all binding sheaves and my sheaves stood up and yours bowed down to mine. And the scripture says that they hated him for it that they despised him for it. And then he has another dream. And in this dream, he gets a glimpse of what God is doing. It's the one and the same dream. And in this dream, uh, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars bow down to him. And he shares this dream with his brothers and with his father and with his mother. And the Bible says that his father rebuked him and said to him, shall your mother and I and your brothers all bow down to you? Shall you be king over us? And the Bible says that David... Uh, I'm sorry, David. Joseph uh, was excited about this. He's sharing this with them, but you see, it was premature. He was taking it out of context. He took a big dream that God had for his life, and he made it small by making it about himself. And as a result, as we saw over the last two weeks, it blew up in his face as his brothers betrayed him. They tried to kill him, and then they eventually sell him into slavery. And the scriptures, are, it's interesting, but they're very clear about what the intent of his brother's word uh, was in, in selling him off. It was to kill the dream. But the thing about it is this, God's dream lived on. And I want to encourage your heart and your faith by reminding you of this, that even when your dreams appear dead, even when you don't perceive nor can understand what God is doing in your life, where he's taking you, there is a dream that lives on and as you continue to align yourself with the heart of God, as you continue to seek after the wisdom of God, as you continue to uh, uh, be disciplined about growing in your faith and pursuing all that God provides as an opportunity for you to grow that faith and to grow with others, as you continue to do that, that dream becomes clearer and clearer. And so Today, we're going to be picking off where we left off last week in the life of Joseph in Genesis 39. And at this point in his life, Joseph is a slave. And so it says that from the, in Genesis 39, starting at verse 5, it says, from the time he, meaning Potiphar, his slave master, put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And so while Joseph is a slave, Joseph begins to find himself with opportunities before him to lead, to rule. Listen, he's in training for his calling. He doesn't realize it. And so it goes on to say uh, that the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. That just simply means silky silky, quack quack. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. Right? He was a good looking guy. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. This is what he says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, everything he owns has he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And so one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them. This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. I'm sorry, I... I read backwards. Uh, When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And so as we dig into the life of Joseph, you can't help but wonder at face value, when will this guy ever get a break? It's like, man, no matter how much he advances up until this point, it, it, it's like if he could, if, for every two steps he took forward, he took two steps back. It appears like he's always stuck in a bad situation, like he's going from crisis to crisis. But a closer look at his life draws our attention to God's faithfulness, to the dream that he had placed in Joseph's heart. No matter how much things took a turn for the worse, Joseph always found himself back on top. And we have to wonder why. Now, why did God's favor work for him? Why did blessing continually overtake every attempt at cursing his life? Why did every attempt at killing his dream fail only to have doors of promotion and blessing open up in their stead? Today, I'd like to talk to you on the topic, don't buy the lie. I'm going to say that again, don't buy the lie. You see, the answer to these questions is revealed in what Joseph knew and who Joseph knew. As we see from today's text, Joseph was faring quite well in spite of the fact that he was a slave. We find him prospering, we find him in authority, we find him in training on the path to his destiny as a ruler while being subjected to slavehood. And careful review of Joseph's life teaches us something that we must all understand if we are to ever reach our full potential and the realization of the dreams that God has placed in our hearts, the dream that God has placed in your heart. It's this. It's that God's dream does not come without opposition. I'm going to say that again. God's dream does not come without opposition. If you look at the scriptures, every single man and woman of God called to, to some sort of greatness, and that includes you and I, every single person who discovered their purpose found themselves faced with opposition. See, every dream that God has placed in the heart of men has never come without opposition. And if you are to face it and overcome it, you must learn to discern that opposition and the tactics of that opposition that are employed to kill your dream. Listen, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, overflowing, abundant life. So you see, God has dreams for you, but there is one who lurks at the ready waiting for the opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy God's dream in your heart. And the only way he can do this is if you buy his lies. Can I tell you that the devil is not as big and bad as you think? Oh, he's bad. But thank God for his goodness at work in your life. We give a lot of credit to the enemy. We see him as bigger and as badder than he really is. See, the opposition that you face to the dreams that God is placing in your heart is not people. It's not even the circumstances that appear to get in the way of your dreams. Your opposition is the one who is opposed to what God wants to produce through your life. Now, I know for some of us, you, you, you may kind of feel like, man, when am I going to get a break? When am I going to be through these challenges? When is this going to cease? And can I tell you that this is not unique to you? That this opposition did not start with you. This opposition has been in play from the beginning of time. It's in play from the beginning of time because the enemy is intent on stealing, killing, and destroying something that God gave all mankind From the beginning of time. Let me show you what I mean. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read from verses 26 and 28. I'm just going to kind of skip through them a little bit. But in verse 26, God says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what I want you to see is that the scripture says that God intended mankind to rule. Verse 27, it tells us that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there is no gender that is excluded from the power and the image of God that has been deposited in you. It's part of your DNA. It's part of your makeup. In verse 28, it says that God blessed them. In other words, he said, this is what I created you for, and so I bless it. It says that he told them to be fruitful and to increase in number, to fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, take authority over it. And it says that he told them, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So from the onset of creation, mankind was destined to reflect to act according to and be like God on the earth. To be just like your daddy. It's why God commanded the blessing upon them in the beginning. It's why that same blessing is upon you. It's why they were told to be fruitful and multiply. It's why their lot and your lot in life calls for you to rule in the earth. You gotta understand something, that when God made all creation, On the sixth day, he looked at it, and he says, well, it's all done, and it's all good. It's very good, and on the seventh day, he rested, not because he was tired, but because there was no more work to do. It was complete. Isn't it interesting that after the, that when Jesus Christ was crucified, before he gave up his last breath, he said, it is finished. It is finished. See, in Christ, It has been completed and we now have been redeemed. You know what that word redeemed there means? We've been brought back to the place where we were always intended to be. The problem with too many people today is we don't understand who we are what our design is and what we've been called to. You are not the tail. The scripture says you are the head. You are not beneath. The scripture says you are above only. Listen closely, you have been restored to the place of authority. So how is that relevant to what we're discussing today? Because Satan opposes what God always intended for mankind. Listen to Hebrews chapter two, In verse 6, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. Now watch this. This is talking about you and me. It says, You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. Watch this. And put everything under their feet. Mm. In putting everything under them, God has left nothing that is not subject to. To them. Now, here's why this is important for us to consider. Because the reason why Satan opposed man in the beginning and opposes you today is because his intent is to kill the dream so that you will give up your identity. And in giving up your identity, in, in walking in something that is not true of you, in believing that you are less than, in believing that you are a victim instead of a victor, what you are doing is also forsaking your authority. You are giving up your authority. You are not walking in the power of God. And so when Satan's deception was embraced by Adam and Eve, they bought a lie that took their eyes off of their identity. And led them to forsake their authority. Listen to Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and verse 5. It says, you will not certainly die. So God had told Adam and Eve, hey, listen, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't need to. If you do, you'll die. I'm going to tell you why. So he says, you will not certainly die. So here we have Satan bringing into question what God has declared. Right? And so he says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. But here's the thing their eyes were already open. They were walking in peace with God, they had authority on the earth. They were walking according to the design of the Almighty that was innately placed in each one of them. They were walking in the fullness of life. Life was good, everything was well. I love that we sang that song, It Is Well. That's what it was for them. Their eyes were open, and watch what Satan says to them, and you will be like God. The thing about it is this, they were already like God. They were already like God. And he says, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. And so as I said, they were already like God. They had no need to eat from the tree of good and evil. You know why? Because there was no need to know evil. Because it was all good. It was all good. Everything was good with God. Now, here's the thing. In buying the lie, they opened the doorway for the dream that they were living in to die. They gave up their purpose. They gave up their authority. And I'll prove it to you that they gave it up. If you look in the scriptures, when Satan approaches Jesus before he starts his, his, his earthly ministry, he says to him, hey, check out all the kingdoms of the earth in their splendor. They belong to me. And I'll give them all to you if you'll just worship me. See, he stripped men of their authority. But here's the thing. When you believe the lies that derail God's dreams, listen closely. Your belief lies in the liar. I'm going to say that again. When you believe the lies that derail God's dreams, you your belief lies in the liar. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? It's not that you just fall for the lie. You fall for the liar himself. It's the reason why Jesus said to the Pharisees, right, these, these men, these people that were chosen... Of God, They were part of the promise of God. They were inheritors of the kingdom of God, but they didn't know it. And we got to see why. In John chapter 8, 43 and 44, Jesus says, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong. Now, here's the key. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Watch this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. So when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And so these people that carried great potential and greatness as a part of God's chosen people could not perceive nor discern the truth. That Jesus was sharing with them. They could not see that he was the Messiah. And in these verses we see the source of their inability to receive. What Jesus was trying to do in their lives. Their hearing and their understanding. Was attuned to the father of lies. And as a result. They became children of the liar. And they lived a lie. So. Why is that important to understand? Because Joseph came face to face with a plot that was rooted in lies that could have opened the door for the enemy to steal, to kill, and destroy God's dream. And the reason why he didn't fall for the lie was because his eyes were set on a greater one and a greater truth. Listen to Uh, Joseph, once again, in in verse 9 of Genesis 39, his response to the lie at work. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, while Joseph had achieved some level of greatness in the midst of his circumstances, Joseph stayed true to what he was destined for. Let me be very clear that when you stand for the truth, it doesn't mean that challenges will not come. It does not mean that things will not apparently go bad, but you must rest assured and stand in this, that because God is good, you are good, it is well, it will work out. There is a destiny, there is a purpose, there is a light always at the end of the tunnel for you because you have been made in the image of God. You've been called by God. He's promised to never leave you. He's walking with you through this whole process. See, Joseph was living in the fulfillment process of God's dream, and therefore, he held held God and his standard of truth as greater. See, when you have the truth, you have no need to buy the lie that threatens God's dreams in you. Now, I'm not talking about simply knowing what God's word says. I'm not talking about simply having a Bible I'm not talking about simply going to church or, you know, going to worship or surrounding yourselves with people that that believe in the word. All that is good and valuable, but you have to go beyond the cover of Christianity. You have to go to the place where you're not just mimicking what you see, but you're believing it in your heart for yourself. And it's in that place where when challenges come, let me tell you, you will stand and you will stand some more. And here's the beauty of that. The scriptures declare that you will overcome. You will overcome. And so what can we learn from Joseph? And I wanna leave you with just some simple things. The first thing I wanna leave you with here in, in relation to not buying the lie of the enemy that can kill the dream that God has for your life is this. It's that dreams start dying when you start lying to yourself. Dreams start dying when you start lying to yourself. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There are those who are quick to ascribe blame when the dreams God has given them go awry. Here's what it sounds like. The devil made me do it. Here's what it sounds like. The devil has stolen my dream. Here's what it sounds like. The devil's attacking me. But the truth is that Satan Satan can only steal, kill, and destroy what you place under his authority. Go back to Adam and Eve. He had no right. He had no authority. He had no place in the garden until they said, you know, that's true. We should be like God. We should know good and evil. Yeah, you know, God is withholding something from us. Who was lying there? The enemy introduced the lie, but you see, the lie only has power unless you begin to lie to yourself. Listen, he is a thief. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy your dream and your life. But it's up to you to take the lie, make it your own, and start lying to yourself. Joseph faced the continuous onslaught of lies that gave the appearance that he could have his master's wife, that he could get away with it. And surely the temptation was alluring to some extent, and yet Joseph destroyed, demolished Tore down the lie by holding to the greater truth that he knew from God. See, while Potiphar's wife dangled herself before him daily, Joseph told her and himself, How could I do this before God? How can I do this? There's no way. Instead of him, of, of him telling himself, I can do this and get away with it. Instead of telling himself I can get back at my master by mastering his wife as my own. Instead of telling himself I can have even greater influence if I just bring her under my authority and make her my woman. Instead of all that, Joseph saw pass the lie and stripped the liar of his power by proceeding in reverence to God and staying in his lane of authority. He said, look, I might be a slave, but I still walk in authority here. All this has been placed under my authority, and I will not violate the lane that God has opened up for me by jumping into your lane or anyone else's lane. He decided, I'm going to stick with what God has told me and shown me. Let me give you some encouragement from Colossians chapter 2.8. To encourage you, to take steps. Listen, some of us are waiting for God to do this for us. And we will continue to wait. God has called you to act upon what he's giving you. Listen to Colossians 2.8. He says, see to it, that word see to it, that, that term see to it there means to be aware and act according to that awareness. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends, watch this, on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See, it's up to you to be aware and to act upon that awareness so that you do not become captive. And to do so, the scripture gives us great insight here that you must look past the shell of what appears good but is deceptive. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So notice the scripture says that we are to see to it that no one takes us captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy. Ladies, any ladies in the house? Wow. (laughs) The coffee was not strong enough this morning. It definitely was not strong enough this morning. Something happened there. Listen, ladies, I want you to imagine that the man of your dreams is here, right? Oh, amen. 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 And for those of you that are waiting, he just may be here. Lord, I'm still praying on that one. More marriages, more families. So anyway, let's get back to this. I want, you to con- I want you to imagine this, ladies, that the man of your dreams is here, and he gets up and he goes, baby, I want to express the full measure of my love to you. And he pulls out a little box like this. And he gets on bended knee before everyone, and he says, will you marry me? And you're going, oh, my God. And everybody's going, oh. Right? And you open the box, and it's empty. Yeah, how's that going to work for you? Right? It It might get a little ugly in here after that, right? So I want you to consider what the scripture says. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, empty, deceptive philosophy, thoughts of men which find their root in a deceiver who's at work in the spiritual realm. And so, get this, the offer before Joseph seemed real and appealing on the outside, man, I thought I had all authority. Here goes another level of authority. Here goes another level of rulership. Maybe this is what God has for me. <laughs> but Joseph saw that what appeared good was empty of the promise of God, it was void. And as a result, he did not fall for it. I'm going to tell you why many believers today unfortunately fall. For the deception of the enemy. Because we don't go past the surface of our relationship with God. It's not good enough to just, I know Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus too. Well, praise God. That is great. But he wants you to go deeper. It's not good enough to just go to a place that we call church. Which is not church. You are the church. Amen. It's not good enough to just gather together and hear what the scriptures say. It's more important to know the one who said them. That's right. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the author and finisher of your faith. That's right. right? So we got to get past this surface. We got to go deeper. And so, which leads me to my next point, that to overcome the lies that threaten God's dream, you must know the details in the truth. I'm going to say that again. To overcome the lies that threaten God's dream, you must know the details in the truth. Listen, when faced with the allure of the lie presented by this woman, Joseph's response reveals the details to what he knew and who he knew. What we see is that Joseph understood covenant with God. Joseph understood It's me and God, I'm committed to this, right? And so he was not, he he would not violate what was right and true in God's eyes because he understood that he was rooted in a relationship with God. He would not violate that. See, it's not enough to know about God. You have to be intimately acquainted with the details that the truth dictates for our lives as it pertains to all matters and the challenges that we face. And so a great example of this comes from the lives of the people of Israel. These people were destined to be a great nation. And after breaking free from their captors in Egypt and going through some hiccups, Moses gives them instruction that we would be wise to heed to. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, he says this, Now Israel... I'll translate that to you to modern day. Now, people of God, at this very moment, I'm speaking to you, says God. Hear the decrees and laws that I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add what I command, do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it. But keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. And so what we see here is that Moses is reminding the people of a valuable truth that we should all heed to. God has given you his word. God has provided you wisdom. He's provided you instruction. If that's not enough, he's placed his precious Holy Spirit, which quickens your mortal body, which comforts you, which teaches you, which reminds you of the words of the Father. He's given us all this for one purpose so that we can go in and take hold of that which God has promised. See, these were people of promise. These were people that had a great, destiny to fulfill. These were people that were walking towards a purpose. But the thing about it is this, the people of Israel constantly went wrong because they looked sideways. They preferred life on the peripheral instead of looking forward and moving forward. So they were easily deceived. But what we see here is that the strategy for them to go in and successfully take possession of the land Lay in the details of the truth that God had given them. In other words, God was saying to them through Moses, Just do what I have told you. Now watch this. Do not add to it with your ideas, nor subtract from it what you don't like. You know, a couple of years ago, quite a few years ago, there was a family, there was a gentleman that was here, beautiful family beautiful children, and they hit a rough patch. And they just weren't seeing eye to eye. and Things, things were going sour. And you know, I, I, I would sit with this this family, I would point them back to the word, I would give them instruction from the scriptures, but there was just something that wasn't connecting, wasn't clicking. And it all came to full head one day when I got a call from this gentleman. And he says to me, Pastor, I know that God loves me. And I know that God wants me to be happy. And he says, so I am leaving my wife and my children. Because I know God wants me to be happy. Because I know God wants me to walk in peace. And this is not peace. He says, but this I know. He says, and I won't be coming back to the church because I don't want to be in that awkward position. I want to be with this other woman. So I listened, and I let him talk for a while before I pointed him back to the word. He says to me, but this I know, Pastor, that God's grace is sufficient in my weaknesses. God loves me. God will never leave me. And so I'm gonna go and be happy. And I said to him, brother, you are deceived. And I began to point him to the word, and show him what the scripture said about the, the, the harlot that is seducing. And what the scriptures declare about what God has put together. Let no man tear it sunder. And I began to point him to the truth. And he says, well, I know God still loves me. Well, let me tell you how that worked out. Not only did it create havoc in his life. Not only did it wreck his marriage. But it brought great consequences to him, to his children, to his household. Today, this man is living in shambles. I still see him from time to time, man. And when he sees me, it's like, man, I I know. And I said, brother, it's time to get back up and get back to the redemptive work that God wants to do in your life. It's time to do what's right. But you see, when you begin to bend the truth or you begin to exclude what the truth said because you don't like that because that doesn't agree with my feelings or my desires, listen closely, you are being deceived. And what you are doing is participating in intaking the very sword that is killing the dream that God has placed in your heart. It is spiritual suicide. And I'm telling you, don't go there. Don't add to God's word and don't subtract from it. Do what God has called you to do. Do not compromise the truth. So before you go in pursuit of the dream that God has given you, make sure that you know what the truth is. And not just about one area of your life, but that you devote yourself to a lifelong process of knowing God. And discovering the gems the treasures in his truth that open up the doorway for you to step into what God has called you to see Joseph knew God and as a result Joseph chose to do what he knew to be the truth he did that he did that according to what he knew was right in God's eyes and you know for some people We struggle with doing what's right because at the core we want what we want and we feel like the truth restricts us. Like God is taking something from us. But let me tell you something about truth. The truth is not restrictive. It's protective. The truth will protect the dream that God has placed in your heart. The truth will never lead you wrong. See, because Joseph was faithful to do what was true and right, it protected the dream in him. Despite the challenges, despite the fact that he's thrown in prison, this man continues to rise. He continues to excel. He continues to walk in the favor of God. Don't leave the place of favor. Don't leave the place of promise. Walk with God. Stick to what His word reveals to be true. Don't bend it. Don't forsake it. Which leaves me leads us to our last point as we stand. And it's that faithfulness to the dream protects you when you fall. I'm going to say that again. Faithfulness to the dream protects you when you fall. At the surface level, it would appear that Joseph's commitment to not compromise was all for nothing. I mean, after all, listen, he ends up doubly enslaved. Not only was he captive in Egypt, now he's captive in a prison within Egypt. But because Joseph remained faithful to God's call, to the design, to rise, to do what's right, to do what's true, to reverence God above all and not compromise because he was faithful to that. Even when he fell into the hands of the jailer, listen closely, the jailer lifted him up. Proverbs sixteen seven says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Listen, the very people that you go, oh, I hate that person, or they hate me. You've got the favor of God. You continue to do what God has called you to do. Let them talk, let them murmur, let them complain, and let them rise up. You serve a bigger God, a greater God, and he has the power to use the very enemies that rise up against you to pave a pathway for all that God has for you. And so today I want to leave you with a simple message. God has big dreams for you, but you must protect what God has entrusted to you and what he's revealing to you. By not buying the lie, by not lying to yourself, by not bending the word of God, by not putting your desires above his desires, by not putting your understanding above his understanding, by not putting your way ahead of his way. See, when you buy the truth, listen, it reaps and breathes.